0: Welcome to the Of Course China podcast. Where China expats Zevin Fernando bring forth the stories and know-how of people making their mark in the Middle Kingdom. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review. We appreciate your support and thank you for listening. Today we're here in a very impressive uh, factory in Dongguan where Web B, yes, from Canada makes custom-made heavy-duty uh, tow tracks uh, that he sent back to uh, North America and around the world. Uh, around the world, right? Um, yes. It's it's really it's really nice. Around, I think we have one of the best backgrounds we have ever ever had yes. for the podcast. What are we're going to talk about today? Well, we're going to
1: talk about well your experience coming to China. Why did you start this shop? And also, why you are leaving Dongguan? That's something that I find very interesting because well. It's important for people to hear why why people are moving around to other places in China.
0: Right, like moving to a, a bigger place, moving uh, between cities, moving a factory, it's an interesting Growing. thing.
2: You said it's going to be how much larger? It's uh, five times larger than where we are now, so it's a big, right. it's a very huge big growth spurt for us. Yeah. Okay,
0: so we're going to talk about all of this in a moment.
1: Um, okay, Web B. Um tell us a little bit about your, your story before coming to China.
2: Well, um, I grew up in a very small town outside Ottawa. Population was about 2,500 people, so it's a really rural farming community. And uh, everybody had to repair everything. You know, everybody on the farm, it breaks, you fix it. And uh, so I had this uh, major mechanical background. Mm-hmm. And I opened up a shop. I sold my shop. When it became successful, and then I started driving tow truck part time.
0: You, you told me the other day you were like you started at sixteen. At sixteen years old, sixteen. Yes. You yeah. opened a shop. Correct. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's impressive. I,
2: I was always very in tune with uh, cars and trucks, and I, I loved equipment, so it was always my passion. Right. And uh, when I was going through university, I needed just a little bit of money, so I drove tow truck part time. So it was kind of like my part time fill in job and then towing vehicles regular cars cars. but I always dreamed of driving a big truck okay you know because you drive this small tow truck and your vision and your dream is always I want to drive that big one and you just see the big truck going down the highway and you fall in love and you're like oh, I can't wait till I have enough money to buy one So then I bought one and when I bought one I didn't know how to drive it. So I had to learn how <laughs> yeah. to drive it. Yeah. I had the money to you buy. Just it. bought it first. I bought it first and I didn't know how to use it. So it's it a lot actually, of buttons in there. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of buttons. So yeah. it actually it actually sat for almost a year. Okay. Before I for had real? For, yeah, before I had the time <laughs> to learn how to you drive it. You remember
0: what truck was that?
2: Yeah, it was a uh yeah, it was a Volvo. Okay. It was a Volvo. it was a, you know, like I didn't really know much about heavy duty trucks. So I bought it from a guy that was a friend of mine, who we've, he sold this truck to me, and after that we've become friends for life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's like a really big, uh, really big history, this Mm -hmm. friend of mine, and we're still in communication, because I remember the first day we went to go pick up the truck, and he was the salesman from the truck dealership, and he hands me the keys, he goes, congratulations on your truck, I'm like, you got to drive it back and he's like i don't know how to drive it and he's like i'm like i have a license but i've never driven one so we're kind of looking at each other deciding who's going to drive it how you, back how do you get a license to drive a truck without having driven one well i went to the, i took the course okay <laughs> so i took the course but i didn't have the on-road practical experience i'd never actually driven one outside the, the
0: course right wow. how do you how do you get you said it, you were really into that right like was there any influence for you to always to, just personality you always liked cars from a young age what is it
2: I think it's a combination of uh, the community that I grew up in because it's a very rural community right. everybody worked on cars mm-hmm. you know everybody and then I had that interest you know in the interest peak because you know in the community you know everybody drove right like mm. i was able to drive a car when i was 10 years old right not legally you know yeah. you kind of have to depend on yourself mm-hmm. so you got into that
0: so i got right. really into it so then you um you got your first truck what happened after that
2: um i got the first truck and then i just really really enjoyed it i loved it i uh, pursued some additional training uh, through a program which uh, I really believe they do a really good job on teaching how to drive heavy-duty uh, tow trucks. And it uh, it's kind of becomes like a brotherhood when mm-hmm. you join this uh, training program and it's called uh, RecMaster and mm-hmm. it teaches you. And originally when I joined the training program, I went there be- just simply because I wanted a holiday. It was yeah. in a nice little spot. So I'm like, I'll take the course because it's a little vacation for me to get away with the family. And then when I got there and I took the course, I'm like, oh, man, I really learned a lot from mm. this course. Mm. So I continued my education through that program. And then I learned more and more about heavy duty trucks. Right. And then I decided that I, I'd i love to build one, you know, and that became now my dream. So I own one, but I really wanted to build my own truck.
0: <laughs> so that was, you're still young. <laughs> I'm then. still young. Yeah. yeah, right. In Canada. So um so then what you open a a a bigger business with more tracks
2: well my towing business grew and grew and grew uh the towing business became the uh largest uh tow service operator in eastern canada okay Um, can we we say the name yeah it's uh ottawa metro towing okay and uh we were really big it's a family business so it just got really big
0: it's the same like the main name is the same but it's just different um, yeah, different thing you do with the metro. This yeah. is Metro Tow Trucks here. Yes. And that one is. Okay. Yes. I see.
2: And um, so, uh, you know, I did that for a while. Then what happened was the industry actually crashed. The Tow Truck service crashed. There was a lot of people that came in and we were going through an economic crisis. Mm-hmm. So, what happens is I opened up some auto parts stores because I couldn't make money doing towing service for you, but I could give you a discount on your auto parts. Very smart. So, you know, we kind of combined it and the trucks would deliver your parts at first, you know, so a customer would call and say, listen, you know, the guy down the street can do it for half the price. And we're like, look, we can't do it because we have overhead, but we'll give you a big discount on your auto parts, right? And our auto parts business grew, it grew. It, be, it became phenomenal. It grew to the point where
0: our competitor bought us out.
2: Hmm.
0: Huh. <laughs> wow and that's you're still 20 something yeah, yeah still wow. still
2: young guy and uh so then that gave me time and money right to pursue my hobbies mm-hmm. and then i originally came to uh, china as a vacation it was kind of like a vacation trip and uh what I, year was that that was when you came to china first time back in 1995
1: 95. Ooh, 95.
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, so it just kind of just opened up my eyes to China. So then I had the vision of what could be done in China. I didn't really know what to do, but I, I had the vision
0: of, wow, you know, this is... Why, why busy- China?
1: Why China uh, such an... Of course, China. <laughs>
0: of course, yeah, but... Yeah, I mean... Why China? It's a good, yeah,
2: why? It, it just, it was on my bucket list to visit. It was just right. one of those countries. You just like to travel? Yeah, I like right. to travel and it was a country that I'd never been to. And I just, it seemed so exotic that i really wanted to
1: come see china whereabouts in china did you travel to-
2: um well i came in i flew in to uh beijing or oh, sorry no i flew into shanghai and then from shanghai i didn't really know the geography all that well so i went from uh, shanghai to shenzhen Back to Beijing, <laughs> so you okay. know it was a little bit going zig-zagging, back and forth, yeah. yeah, it was a zigzagging trip. I traveled all over China. I spent a month traveling China, Oh wow, and uh, I really like I fell in love with the country, I fell in love with the people. why it was just amazing, it was just uh, it was kind of like China was growing and it was opening up, and you know the people were so friendly and it it was it was, it was different, different right it was it's really different. different, and it was. No matter when I went back home and I described it to people, they just couldn't understand
0: China. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. So. I think that that hasn't changed too much. <laughs>
0: yeah. You mean the fact that people can't understand China yes, before the who they have come never, here?
1: Never, never been to China. This still, it doesn't register. We, like I always say, we would
0: not too. Yeah, yeah. If we didn't come here, mm-hmm. yeah, right? You know.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you
2: ended up your your holiday. You went back home and uh, then I had I had the China dream, right? Okay. You know, I had the China dream, and then in uh, I decided that I wanted to pursue importing the tow trucks. So I contacted a company. We imported some trucks from
0: Chinese company. From a Chinese company,
2: we went through the whole.
0: This one, you were still talking about the smaller tow
2: trucks. Small and big. Ah, big too. And big, and um, so I came in here. I ordered the trucks. We went through the whole Chinese process of, you know, going back and forth and even after the order, you know, price increase, change, this, that. And for me, I was just so happy to get my trucks. Right. And then when I got the trucks, they didn't work.
0: Oh, my God. I was going to ask, how was the quality? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So they didn't work. So what we did is we went back and then we asked the company to send some staff and we would teach them how to build tow trucks.
0: Oh. Because we, we know where was it was. Where was that company? Do you remember? In China?
2: It's uh, it's here in Guangdong. Guangdong, oh, okay. Yeah, it's in Guangdong. Yes. And um, so they didn't think we could get the visas. So we approached the Canadian government. We explained the situation that we had. And we're actually a very big toll provider in our city. It's, Ottawa is the capital of Canada. There's a lot of government there. So we went to the government, we talked to them and we were able to get work visas Mm. so they were very you know at that time it was early 2000s so it was really difficult to get a visa to canada so when we came to the company we said look we'll bring these people to canada to teach them and try and repair these trucks and um, they're like yeah if you could do it go ahead and we did it so then they're like oh what do you mean you're taking our staff to canada and so we did we took the staff to canada for six months six months six months yeah Wow. And uh, they had a phenomenal time, so we kind of introduced them to Canadian culture. We took them skiing, we took them skating, uh, we took them to Niagara Falls, because they came in the fall and they left in the, uh, near the end of the uh, spring.
0: So this <laughs> so is a factory that makes tow trucks in Guangdong, and they, uh, you already basically cooperated with them very closely. Very closely. By bringing people very for great. six
1: months. For six months. Right. So How uh, many people, sorry, did you bring to Canada?
0: Uh, Twelve people.
1: Twelve people. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's, it was a big expense. First time for them to go first out time of China. outside, outside yeah. of China, right? <laughs> and at
2: that time was you know, um, you know, in the early like early two thousands, right? So leaving China was something incredible yeah. Yeah. for people. You know, yeah. just not something that just didn't happen, right?
0: It was on your expense.
2: Uh, yeah, we paid all the expenses. So why? What was the goal? Well, we bought. The, you know, we have a very prestigious towing company. And we bought these trucks, they didn't work. So we had a lot of egg on our face because we went back to our traditional suppliers who said, ah, you you bought from China. See See you later, don't bother us. So we kind of got stuck in a jam. So we had to try and make these work. And you know, when you own a fleet, you turn over your trucks every so many years. Mm -hmm. So we're just like, okay, look, even no matter how bad they are, as long as we can get them to work for a short period of time, then we'll just get rid of them after.
0: But what's interesting for me is that um, instead of saying, oh, screw this, you know, and go buy from another country or whatever, you who were you stuck finding, with China, yeah, you stuck with China. You're trying to find a way to make this work. Well, I mean,
2: I, I really enjoyed China. Okay. You know, I, I enjoyed coming to China. For me, it was a pleasure. It was exciting. It was an adventure, right? And mm-hmm. it was just like, this is just a hurdle in the road. You know, because my vision was that we could have this really big long term cooperation and I had this dream of building, you know, my my own custom tow trucks. So, you know, I was just following my dream and my passion. And, you know, the company was just there to facilitate that dream, but they didn't have the knowledge to what I wanted. So I'm like, okay, what's the big deal? I'll help you get the knowledge. What was the
1: reaction? Sorry, what was the reaction of the factory itself? Let me let me tell you. For example, I have an English training center, and I have teachers. If somebody else comes on and says, like, "Oh, well, bring me your teachers, I'll train them," like, why? I mean, yeah. what's in it? I mean,
2: what was their reaction well, when, you, they, when you told them this? Well, they were amazed because they knew their product wasn't very good. Ah, okay. okay, so for them, it was exposure, and they didn't need to pay anything. Wow. So you know, so they sent. They sent two engineers, they sent a bunch of technicians, so they sent a bunch of different people to learn the process.
0: When you say they didn't work, I mean, it's not like they couldn't Star start, door. right? What yeah. do you mean they well, didn't
2: Well, normally it's just the equipment. So the equipment wouldn't match to our North American chassis and the hydraulics had issues. Okay. So there was a lot of, like, they were not a functional product that we could... Standards put on the road we're not and you, yeah. thought,
0: you thought that uh, this can be fixed but i need to fix it from the root. correct correct I so see.
2: and so what we wanted to do is the vision was this is long term so we want to teach you okay we, right. we have a problem here but we want to teach you how to make it better mm-hmm. let's make it better let's not worry about anything else we'll make it better and it doesn't matter what the cost is because it's just a learning it's experience l- long term for you long-term yes.
0: vision so um um this factory was did were they already ex- exporting to other countries those they were, tracks
2: they were just starting, starting to starting to export okay. you know so they were just in the beginning in the early stages okay of doing exports they were selling domestically in china right you know and yeah. they were considered like a very famous brand in china mm-hmm. but the standard between china and north right. america and the rest of the world is quite right. different
0: um what happened next i mean like that, that factory, how long have you been, uh, have you cooperated with them after, after this six months they came back to China, they made better trucks, well, what, what happened?
2: Well, uh, what happened was they came back to China and then we came back, we came back with a, another order, a reorder, Right. because we think it would be better and what happened was the terms had all changed. The pricing had all changed. Oh, suddenly.
0: You did all not expect that.
2: Yeah, we didn't expect that. So what happens is even though we paid all this money up front mm-hmm. to train them, now our price went from this to a very high price where we couldn't be competitive to sell the trucks. So there was no financial advantage anymore.
0: But they didn't consider that you, were, you they them. can continue because of you. They, no. Okay. No. You so know. it didn't work like that. It, didn't,
2: right. it didn't work like that. It we, got, we got into a dispute. Right. And uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. You know, my whole life, you know, uh, I've always been, I don't worry about what needs to be done. I just go do it. Mm. So we had a meeting and during the meeting, I'm like, listen, unless we can come to some really good terms, I'm going to open up my own factory.
1: Uh-huh. And, it was your card. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. And they had already gotten a deposit from us and for the second reorder. because they, they thought they you were bluffing. Yeah. They didn't think that I'd walk away because they had already my deposit. So they had the money already in their pocket. And they're like, if you think you're going to open up a factory in China, you go ahead. Right. And I'm like, okay. I said, listen, I don't want there to be any hard feelings. You know, how about I just want you to sign no hard feelings between us that we will still continue to be friends because the industry is very small. And then I'm going to open up my factory and it's going to be good competition. And they laughed. They just signed. And you
0: let let them keep the deposit.
2: I let them keep the deposit. (laughs) And then I I walked away and... uh, the next day, the very next day, I rented a building and opened my factory. So, where, what year was that? When was that? That was in 2008.
0: And this, is this? The, no, no, this is... this. Is, were in other places right? other place. So, okay, so that, that's quite an amazing story, I have it, to say, it, it, you know? Yeah. Very interesting, and you, you stuck with it, with China. I bet you were very frustrate, frustrated, you know, at many times back then, right? We've, you know, like,
2: we've had a lot of Chinese experience... Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of good times and a lot of sad times and a lot of times where, you know, I've called home and my family says, what are you doing in China? Just come back here, you know, just close it up and just come back home because we've, you know, had, you know, the times where it's just been phenomenal. And you've had the times where you've just hit rock bottom you come to a snag and you're like, "Okay, you're 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 at the end of the road and you're just like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not ready to quit. And you just push it. And then all of a sudden the page turns like
0: it's like the China bug in a way right you get hit by
1: it you yes get, you get yeah. you get stung by it and and you figure out a way to make it work i mean we are all yes, here entrepreneurs Yes, with all but
0: the issues and problems on the way You i've had, yes, had issues yes, and exactly, you're like right.
1: i'm not i'm not walking away some from kind of a bug, china bug, yes yes, yes. Yeah.
0: it's a good one hopefully <laughs> but uh, so from 95 19- to 2008 right uh, mostly in the 2000s the first years right you didn't have a factory yet here you were coming here a lot how often i did you?
2: I was coming probably every two or three months oh, okay. so I started coming because like you know I was getting more excited right um, you know I, I wanted to learn Chinese I didn't have the time but you know the the, the interest was there um, you know so it, it just it snowballed it mm-hmm. just like it, the whole China experience took on a life of its own you know and it was exciting because it was new and I was building something right and you know it just it's not any different than somebody that has a hobby. It doesn't matter what the cost is because it's your hobby and you just love to do it.
0: Yes, and you enjoy me every was, day. every yes. day. <laughs> yeah, this was
2: a big hobby.
0: And uh, so until that point, that day that you rented your first building for a factory, did you have staff in China before that? No. You didn't? You no. still one-man... One-man operation. Right. So, okay, where did you rent? How did you find that building? How was it, the experience of finding that first... Well, factory.
2: what happened was, and because I had taken all the workers to Canada, so I had built a relationship, so I yeah. already started building a network in China mm-hmm. of different people, uh, my shipper, different people that I had relationships with. You weren't walking in blind, basically. Yeah, yeah. so I already, yeah. I already had relationships with people. So when I, when I walked out of there, I called a bunch of people, had a meeting with them, said, listen, this is my vision, this is my plan. I'd like to open up a factory, this is what I want to do. Uh, can you guys help me and they're like what do you need I said I need a factory I need to rent a factory that's suitable so they got a list. They said, okay, here's a bunch of suitable factories that we think are good. I had no idea the geography.
0: Which cities did you look <laughs> into?
2: I, I, I didn't care. I just wanted whatever they thought was best. So where did you actually... We wound up in uh, a city called Panyu, which is Panyu. Like a little uh, sub-district. Yeah, sub-district of Guangzhou. Yeah, it was good. I loved right. it. It was really, really nice. And uh, it was quite an adventure. Right. You know, it was my first real experience into producing a product in China. And, um, you know... My staff, my potential staff, that's what they wanted. So, you know, we had no relation at that time. But the day that I rented, we entered into a relation because Mm -hmm. that's what they wanted. They said, okay, this place is good. I walked in. I'm like, okay, this looks good. Uh, Negotiated the money and then just paid. I'm like, done. Because I just need to get it done. You know, I didn't realize whether it was high or low. It just, it was within my budget and it worked. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, we'll just get it done.
0: Right, Panyu. Panyu. And uh, how big was that place?
2: It was around uh, 2,500 square feet. Mm -hmm. So it's half the size of this. Half
0: the size of this. Yeah. And you opened that and started making trucks? We started building
2: trucks, and it was mainly building for my own company. Right. So we were just building for Ottawa Metro Towing, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I was just kind of pursuing my hobby. You know, I built a couple here and there. Were you buying the Chinese trucks or... or no, we were just only strictly focused at North America okay. when we first opened up in '08. Right. There's a little bit of an interesting story in '09 right. That occurred.
0: Right. So this is, uh, but this is uh, Panyu. You stayed there for how long? We
2: stayed there till uh, the end of 09.
0: Okay. And what was that interesting story?
2: Well, what happened was we start building these trucks. Then all of a sudden we get inquiries and the demand went through the roof like we just couldn't understand
0: inquiries it. from North America
2: North America and China, China local okay so we actually built trucks for China that we sold to other companies because <laughs> they were just like you know they they you know they wanted a tow truck they wanted a good quality tow truck so our profile became really really high so at the end of 09 we did a joint venture with a company because like our popularity just skyrocketed you know our reputation in the industry Skyrocketed so everybody's like, okay, these are the tow truck guys. If you want a tow truck, you got to buy from Metro. You got to go to these guys.
0: You mean back home or here or both? Here both. in China. Both. Okay. Yeah, okay. Both. Yeah. So you started by making uh, uh, building trucks for your own company, but then you got popular and you were making trucks to many companies while you also have a tow towing company. Towing <laughs> wait, wait. wait. Company.
1: So. But, but what's, what's the, I'm going to the, to the joint venture. So what happened?
2: Right. Well, we...
0: we, <laughs> we Something happened. You yeah.
2: Know. <laughs> we we entered into the joint venture uh, and we had to move our company to northern China, right, into uh, into a province called Hubei, which is a heavy, yeah. heavy industrial area. And, you know, we had no idea about China or what it goes, but <laughs> it just seemed like they had a good option for us so they came in you know we negotiated we negotiated in good faith we got 51% of the company we put some money in it was a huge facility everything looked really great on the surface you know from the surface it was just like an amazing deal you know had some support from the government supposedly I'm not sure what happened with that but anyway so it was really good till we arrived one month after and then the company stop paying our staff oh. so it was you know and then anyway so we so wound up quickly it, it quickly crumbled came to, down yeah it quickly crumbled down the um we had actually lost five million dollars us in the joint venture oh. so it actually quickly, quickly quick very very quickly and it oh. put us in a position of bankruptcy so we were right at the end
0: of your China entity, uh, the
2: China entity, it was done, you know it was finished, and uh so we wound up now, we had no factory to produce our product, we had lost all our money, and uh we were pretty well done. So what happens is I reached out to another contact of mine because you know you become very famous in the industry, and I called them up, and I said, "Listen." i know you wanted to do a deal with us and we didn't do it we chose another company to do the joint venture sorry about that but however we're in a little bit of a trouble we're in a bit of a bind. can we rent some space from you and it was an existing company a very large company in china and they wanted to get into the tow truck business but they were a government corporation we thought we would go with a private entity because we thought it would be very hard to Mm -hmm. Ah, work with you went back to them so we went back to them and uh, what they did is they gave us the availability of space. But literally when we got there and we opened up our production in their factory, we were pretty well thirty days and we were done. We were out of funds. We were just totally done. Companies finished. And mm-hmm. it was just a matter of on the process of kind of like wind down, but you don't want to give up on that dream. You're just like, I'm not going to give up.
0: And That's then bug again.
2: Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got a really big substantial order
1: one of those lifesavers.
2: Yeah, and it just it, it just kind of came in. The guys came in to uh, take a look. They take a look at it and uh, we had discussed the order. We had given them a uh, quotation and you know, my view on it's like, look, I'm not going to get this order. This is a really big, this is a really big order. And then all of a sudden the next day they called up. They said we're issuing you the PO, we're transferring you the deposit and it just So, breathed lifeline in- <laughs> yeah, just lifeline. <laughs> it just like kind of threw gasoline on the fire, and it just went. Okay. At
0: this point, I want to, I want to, I want to ask this. Okay. So we always say, of course, China.
2: Yeah.
1: Ziv, uh, can we take a very, very short break we and we to take go a to break. your question? Yes. Okay. Sure. Don't go anywhere.
0: And we are back. All right. So we were talking about uh, uh, you were telling us some stories from the beginning of having your own factory, 2008, 2009. First, it went great, and then you had a big problem with a joint venture. And I wanted to at this point to say that, uh, you know, in this podcast, we talk, we, it's called, of course, China. And we speak today about the China bug and we are similar in that way. And uh, I think some people may be watching and say, these guys are crazy. All these problems are always happening. Why do you say, why, do, why you, do you? So what I want to say, I want to I have some uh, maybe valuable advice for people that are doing business in China, maybe less years than you, or maybe are coming to China. You had a big problem with that joint venture in 2009, right? You lost a lot of money. How can someone uh, prevent that? What, what kind of uh, uh, thing you could have done differently?
2: Well, I think the most important thing is for anybody that's coming into China on a, on a, on a big scale, yes. right? And whatever that may be, uh, they have a huge resource through their embassy. They have trade commissioners. And that was one of the biggest mistakes that we made early on in the beginning is because we didn't engage the Canadian trade commissioners at the beginning of the joint venture. Mm. And they could have actually given us a lot of advice that could have avoided a lot of problems based on their experience. We wound up using them at the tail end when we had the problem and we were looking for legal remedies to fix the problem. And the, the commissioner said, Why didn't you call us at the beginning? Why are you calling us only when there's a problem? You know, you should call us and have us involved. So
0: that's through the consulate, the embassy? Through through the the consulate.
2: Okay. I know the Canadian embassy has it. I'm not sure about the other the other. Many, uh, I think many have it. But uh, the other thing, too, is to engage with your local chamber of commerce. You know, the local chamber of commerce has a huge resource. And uh, that's another mistake that we made early on in the beginning because we're just kind of doing it on our own, right? And sometimes you think that you're saving a little bit of money by not using a professional, but actually you're costing yourself a lot more money Mm. in the end when there's a problem. So
0: getting more advice uh, on the ground from other people, maybe foreigners, maybe people from your country that know. You also
1: talked a lot about the importance of networking. And having a network and how, well, right. you, you've, you've talked a lot about um, how these workers that you took to Canada and the people that you've uh, built a relationship with were very important in bringing you back up. Yes. So I think that that's, that's also a, a right. really important advice. Right. Network as much as possible.
0: <coughs> yeah. Yes. And in 2009, 10, I guess, right, you said you got that lifeline.
2: Got the lifeline, yeah.
0: Yes, and you got a big order. What, what's a big order in this kind of… Uh
2: well, we got a $3 million order. That's so a that's, of tru- a, that's, that's a lot. Trucks. How many that's trucks uh, is that? Oh, it was not a lot of trucks, but uh, it was a very profitable order. It was okay. a very profitable order. So that meant you
0: that gave you the back the cash flow to it, restart? It,
2: it just like, it basically threw gasoline on the fire. It just brought us back to life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you were hot already. We were hot, but we were done because we lost all our money, right? Mm-hmm. So we had no cash flow. So that order really brought us back to life.
0: Okay, and then, so you... you and you then went out of that uh, space, so the and then, then we immediately outgrew that space,
2: yeah. and then we started looking for another another location. We we're actually in Huizhou, which is just Huizhou, yeah, close just to here. very close to here. So it's just south of Dongguan.
0: So that was your uh, third or fourth really factory in yes. a way, mm-hmm. already, yes. Huizhou,
2: and so that was our third factory, mm. and this plant that we're in today is our fourth factory that we're in. And
0: what, why did you move from Huizhou to here?
2: we were looking for the availability of space and when we we were looking around so like we had a little bit more experience now of what we needed in a plant mm-hmm. so when we came to dongguan the very first thing and that the very 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 first impression and i don't say that because we're on the of course china but was picking up the dongguan here magazine <laughs> that really really opened up the door because right. we came to dongguan we were looking for some place to eat. We couldn't find any place. We got in. We wound up at One for the Road, and I'm not promoting right, anybody right, over right. anybody else. Yes. And sat down and grabbed the magazine and looked through it, and that sold us on yes. Dongguan.
0: If you don't know, here Dongguan is my day job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. and like I said, it's just um, it's
2: a right. really true story because we just had so you connected re- with the community. Yeah, say. and I, it just like automatically like you're in part of it. You can you can get around and. Then we decided Dongguan was the location that we want to be in. And then when we rented this factory, this was just dirt. There was nothing here.
0: At what point... Okay, so we we touched a bit about community, right? You moved from Huizhou to here, and you found a magazine, you, you saw the community, you liked it, so you thought, okay, this is a good place for me. Um, uh, was your family with you already? How is how is that? Yes, that?
2: yes, yeah. my family's been here on and off. On you know, off. I've okay. brought my kids in and out, and... Okay. Uh, so it's been, you know, uh, you know, for them, it's been a big eye opener. Some have liked it, some haven't liked it. Uh, we're, uh, I have three additional brothers, mm-hmm. so they've all been here for a period of time. You know, okay. some have really liked it, some have come back many right. times, and others are like, look, it's, it's not for me. You stay there.
1: How <laughs> interesting to hear that that for you the social uh, aspect of Dongguan uh, played a decisive factor in setting up shop here, like. Right. restaurants right. and, like, right. a certain community that you bring together. Right, right. Yeah, that, That's an interesting observation.
0: I think it's important when you live in China, right? Um, uh, we, we have the China bug. We like it. But we do need a community of foreigners as well, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I guess you came to Dongguan at a time which was really getting... Exploding. Yeah. yeah. More uh, foreign restaurants, uh, places you can... Uh, Uh, enjoy leisure activities yeah well it was
2: great for our customers too because it wasn't just it wasn't just a factor for us right because a lot of our customers they had a big concern about when you know you're asking them to come visit the plant in china because a lot of the stuff that we build is custom Mm -hmm. you know it's a little bit you know some guy wants this some guy wants something else a lot of input yeah a lot of input and we'd have customers that would come and stay with us for a month you know they'd come live here for 30 days the first thing that they had on their mind was what's the food like and we're like no problem no worries yeah no problem they're like what's the environment like no problem and literally they'd come here to Dongguan and they'd be just like I love it. This, and it, for some of the customers, this became their vacation. <laughs> they <That's right. laughs> put their vacation right. to come, you know, and for them, it was an adventure. Like, because they'd come, they'd stay here. They'd, sure, yeah. they'd come to work at the plant every day. Like, I'd pick them up in the morning. We would grab our cup of coffee. We'd come in. We'd walk around. We'd make changes that we wanted. It, it became, it built, like, a huge friendship. Mm-hmm. So it didn't become, like, you know, uh, this guy's just my customer. I don't know you. It right. became a personal friendship.
0: Yeah. I think that's your style, right? Yeah. Um So, um, you are the only foreigner in China that does this. Yes. Yes. So, that's very unique. Why do you think uh, that is? Why other n- people like you from around the world... Haven't done this. Yes. In China.
2: I think there's a lot of fear. You know, there's a lot of fear about China. That's number one. Number two is there's a lot of misconceptions about China. What is China, right? And... And I think that really blocks people from following what they want to do. You know, for me, coming to China, I had all the resources of the world. Like, I come from a small city. So, you know, if I wanted to get something done in my city, I'd be waiting for two, three months to get it done. It's, we don't have that availability of right. resources, right? right? And we don't have we don't have the population. We don't have the manufacturing. So, for me, coming to China, and i just like, Oh, I need this done. Oh, I could just go down the street and get it done. So, you know, the resources were just phenomenal here. That's, you know, that was really a big attraction for me.
0: Now, you build trucks um, in Canada as well, right? Yes, correct. Right. And uh, I'm sure you know many people from around the world that do the same. What is, is there any difference uh, in terms of uh, know-how the Chinese uh, employees that you have here? right the difference between them and and you know back home canadians building this truck
2: well i mean there's definitely a big difference in the knowledge you know because a north american person they have the truck culture you know they have the truck culture they have the truck bug you know they're in love with trucks like for them trucking is a pastime you know it's a career and it's a very well-paid career but it's also a pastime you know and this so they enjoy
0: it there is a kind of like a quality that comes with that it is and there's
2: uh, there's a uh pride of workmanship right and me being here that's why i live here that's why i'm here daily on the floor so that way i could instill that into my staff you know Mm. so i try and get them to participate so like i'll take them like when this truck is done i'll take some of my staff for a drive i'm like here drive a truck see what it feels like you know and so you know when they go down the road and they have this big horsepower truck. I mean, it's like driving a Lamborghini or a Ferrari of trucks. And they're just, they're not used to it. They're driving it. They're excited. You know, it, it's they're a inside route. it. And they just see this, this truck and it roars, right? And it's got 18 and gears like, and you're splitting the gears and it's going. Ch-ch-ch-ch.
0: And they probably giggle, and, and,
2: and, and then the engine brake comes on and it's like, you know, and it's roar. And, you know, and, it, and, and they're just amazed. They're just beyond amazed. They're just like, wow.
1: Tell us a little bit about what it is like to actually ship one of these things to another country because you mentioned that and I was like, wow, so right. I would like our audience right. to hear about this. I think jumping this.
0: forward, but yes, let's, uh, let's, yeah. that is very interesting process. Yeah.
2: Well, normally something of this
0: size, what happens is we have two shipping options,
2: which is uh, called Roro or Flatrack. Roro is a kind of drive-on, drive-off service, so you drive it to the port mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know you drive it to the port and then they just drive it onto a ship and they tie it down and at the other end they drive it off right so but you need a lot of licensing to make sure that at the other end it can just drive off mm-hmm. right the other option is what they call flat rack so flat rack is just like a, a flatbed and what we do is we get the truck ready and then we order the flatbed and we order some cranes so what happens is it comes in and we have a staging area So we stage everything and then the truck comes up and then the cranes lift the truck literally in the air. So you can see this thing like five meters high up in the air. On the flat thing. And then they put it on the flatbed. How much does it weigh? This one here weighs roughly about uh, 20,000 kilos, this one. But we can (laughs) get things that, yeah, we can get something that's higher, that that weighs more than this, right? Right. And this this is the- The crane lifts it? The crane lifts it, it puts it on. And then what we do is we tie it down because there's a special process for tying it down for uh, transporting it overseas. And then once it's tied down, we go over the vehicle and we have to make sure it's fully clean because, you know, people have had their hands on it. You know, it's it's traveled a little bit, so it's got dirt on it. So all the dirt has to be removed off of it for shipping Okay. because it can't have any contaminations on it, like any soil or any plant or anything on it huh. going into another country. So right. we have it cleaned. And then once it's cleaned, then we have it tarped. We have it tarped
0: and then you we wrap have it, it sealed right yeah. that's a it's a as you said it takes a it's, a, a, whole it's day. a it's a full day process it's a full day and, from and the beginning it, to the end of and the day. and it's expensive it's expensive the shipping
2: ship is very expensive
0: right okay i want to i want to still go back and, and ask a little bit more about working with chinese people yeah you know working yeah. with chinese people because it is interesting that you you actually have i mean before the pandemic at least right on regular <clears throat> times. Um, a lot of uh, foreigners working yes. for you in China, yes. and we were just saying, uh, it's. and I told you the other day as well, that uh, seeing a, a mechanic, expat, it's very unusual, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Expats are not usually those kind of jobs. Um, so, I mean, why is that? Is there any skills that it's too hard to get the Chinese up to par with? Well, I mean, they're not used to seeing these vehicles.
2: They don't exist. So the components don't exist. So they're really, they're not familiar with it. So, you know, like everybody thinks a truck is a truck, but no, it's not. Every truck is special. Every truck has something different about it, right? And there's different configurations, you know, and now what happens is trucks today are smart so you have the smart truck right so what happens is they have computers on them mm. and the computers are connected to sensors mm-hmm. right and the computers will only talk to you in english so they're not oh. going to give you any chinese feedback so what happens is this truck might not start but you have no idea where why it won't start that it could good be it happens
0: because <laughs> you have only chinese yeah <laughs> yes the opposite so,
2: yeah so you you need to have people that can go in there take a look at it and see okay diagnose what the problem is what part do we need and then ship the part to you, right? Especially mm. today with like a lot of trucks have the emissions systems on them and the emission systems are very complicated. And the emission system can actually, just, just from a truck sitting, it can wind up having a problem because they get stuffed up. Mm. So what happens is the only way to go in is you got to connect to it with a computer, you got to read the codes, you got to see what's going on.
0: Yeah.
2: And then you got to be able to take it out. So they How just don't have that here.
1: Um, How did the the, the COVID pandemic actually affect your business? Uh, What were some of the repercussions?
2: Well, it was was and still is very difficult for us because what happens is uh, prior to the pandemic, we were in the process of opening up two additional plants. So we're actually building a plant in Canada, which is uh, 66,600 square feet. It's a humongous plant for us and uh, we're building a plant here in uh, China, which is 244,000 square feet. So we have these two huge plants that are coming in, and you know we had them timed that they were gonna go at a certain time, and they didn't. So the pandemic, it basically stopped everything. So in Canada, we got stopped at getting building permits, getting government regulations, because now you couldn't physically go visit anybody in person. In China, it really hindered us because Normally, we shut down our plant for a month. All our staff was overseas, so we couldn't get them back. During so, the new year. Yeah. so And then they the, got
0: stuck out. So a lot of started. your staff got stuck out, as, uh, including you.
2: Including me. And I was stuck out for almost almost a
0: year. And so you yeah. were building any trucks during this time? You were not here? No, we weren't here. We were just kind of finishing off. Finishing and, off. And,
2: and most of our staff didn't come back okay, because of the pandemic. So what happened is it almost kind of came to a standstill. The really... The really odd thing, you know, by luck only, is we had built up a pile of inventory prior to, the, prior to COVID because mm. we knew we were coming into moving uh, our plants. We knew we were opening up a new plant. Right. And so uh, we're moving this plant, new plant is coming. There'll so
1: will hiatus and an interim of time in which…
2: Yeah. So, so what happens is because of this plan, so what happened was we built up a pile of inventory in advance because we knew there might be a disruption in service. We never thought COVID would come in. So we were able to continue feeding off of our inventory. While
0: in that situation, many factories just got bankrupt. I mean, right? You didn't make any new product for a year, pretty much. Correct, yes. So that was, uh, yeah, that was good. Um, How is it, uh, um, you know, you have businesses back home. Yes. But you're here. Right. Uh, how do you handle both? How do you...
2: Well, um, you know, I... We have... We are four brothers. Okay. We all run our own independent little business. Okay. So everybody's got their own business that they do. Um, my partner in my core business is in Canada. He loves being in Canada. He loves the Canadian environment. And China is not for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it kind of works out really good. So I do the tow truck equipment and then he does the towing service so we kind of feed off of each other so it's kind of like in harmony he needs the equipment so I provide the equipment to him he does the service so you know it creates you know it creates a flow for us right so um
1: do you also provide repair uh services for the trucks whenever they
2: we uh we actually provide repair service on the tow trucks on our own product and on other manufacturers products so if somebody has a problem they can come to see us
1: anywhere in the world like for example uh, the trucks that are bought here in China or the bo- the, the trucks that are sold to other countries
2: yes uh, all over and actually uh, as strange as it sounds we have a really big following in China for people coming in to get their trucks repaired mm-hmm. so normally like uh, throughout the week somebody will stop by and say hey can you fix this for me and we're like uh, okay we just do it more not for making money but we just do it at Next. building the reputation the mm-hmm. customer reputation so if you go ask like let's say somebody in the local area who's a really good tow truck manufacturer they'll just like this guy these, these guys are really good and you know i went there i got my vehicle fixed i got treated really special and they charged me almost nothing to uh-huh. do it because we just do it as a service. you know yeah. so people will come in and
1: what kind of, of, of warranty comes with a truck like this? I mean, what kind of warranty do you offer? Like, I buy my car three years, 100,000 kilometers or
2: whatever. But we, we offer a one-year warranty. No hassles, no questions.
0: Okay. I would like to know more about, um, okay, where do you sell these trucks to? Other than back home, Canada, yes. right? And um, also, um, you know, we haven't talked about it, but like when you, well, the first time I met you, he said, you make tow trucks. I think <laughs> tow trucks, you know, like for, for sedans, yeah. for, you know. So I think, oh, okay, tow trucks, you know, I, because that's what the regular person thinks when, you know. So what are these trucks for? What can they do? This you know, the regular people, some people have never seen it in their life, in some countries, yes. maybe, right? So where do you sell it to? And what are they uh, being used for?
2: Well, I mean, you could use it, like, I mean, these are used for big, big jobs, right? So they're used for moving, like, cement trucks and garbage trucks and the big heavy-duty fire trucks that are on the road and big accidents. Uh, A lot of our customers, like, we have a lot of smaller governments that buy our product. So, like, let's say, for example, one of our customers is the uh, Thai government themselves. So they run a, a toll highway and they provide their own towing service. So we provide the trucks to them. And they provide the service for uh, their clients who use the toll highway. Another one of our clients we're building an order right now is for the Philippines government. So, you know, the Philippines is not a really big country. They don't have a really big demand. But, you know, they want a truck that meets their needs. And 7,000
1: s- islands. So that's a lot of to- yeah, it's
2: trucks. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they need one big one to service, you know, generally Manila area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're providing one and now they're considering buying two more. So, Mm -hmm. and that's normally what happens is normally we provide one order and then we get a reorder and a reorder and a reorder.
0: How much does this truck cost? Roughly around 200,000 U.S. for this unit. This one? And it goes from, I I assume, it can go triple than that. Actually. It
2: can go triple than that. Right. We have trucks that go, basically, we have trucks that are very cheap. We can go from very cheap to very expensive. So you can right. go from something that's, you know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 to a million dollars. It depends on what you want, right? right. Do so, you
1: use, sorry, do you use them also uh, for marinas? Like to boats or large ships, things like that?
2: Uh, they can be. They, they are, depends on where it is. One of our customers is the uh, the port in Kuwait. Mm-hmm. So they have a bunch of our trucks, and uh, they use it for taking things on and off of the ships, so you know our customers like you know, we have a like a huge following of customers in a variety of industries where they use these vehicles for. anything that's
0: heavy if it's heavy, we'll lift it and 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 <laughs> that maybe you already gave the answer to what I want to ask, but so this is custom made yes uh why why does it need to be custom made why there is no any big companies that just make You know why people need to
2: well i mean it's it's all about truck culture right i mean it's truck culture you have to understand that right where you you know your dream is to build a truck right and for most most of our customers you know generally most of our customers are kind of like the mom and pop you know what i mean it's it's a husband and wife and they have a small business and their dream is to become bigger and we help facilitate that dream but we don't just help facilitate it with just like here Here's just something. Here's a solution. Here's a solution, but we'll build a solution that's good for you. What do you want? You know, do you want, okay, do you want, how much chrome do you want? How much money do you want to spend? Mm-hmm. Do you want to spend a little bit less here, a little bit more there? You know, do you want a custom interior? What is it that you want? We'll go back and forth with you till we have exactly what you need and build it for you.
0: The the design too, from the outside, right? We see some really cool stuff you, you've done. Yes. I saw on uh, social media. Okay. Um, so right now in this factory uh, that you said, I think you said 26,000 square feet
2: this factory here uh, is uh, roughly 40,000 square feet it's around 4,000
0: square meters 4,000 square meters. yes and you are you are moving to a new one so how many trucks you can make here well generally
2: year? here we do about 40 to 80 trucks a year it's not a very high production mm-hmm. but it's custom production so and it's very unique and everything that we built is already sold so everything that you can see in this factory is already committed it's already sold okay. to somebody so there's nothing that we're being that we're building that doesn't have a home already other than last year by fluke where we built a pile of inventory and it all got sold so mm-hmm. we had it built it was ready it just it just sold out the door how
1: long does it take to manufacture a standard regular well this is kind of well, like it's standard. Brand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this one uh, yeah. this for example how long does it take it, to build one?
2: Well. It can generally take from three months to 12 months. So that's general, you know, the general depending on the configuration. So it could be something that's very fast and it could be something that's more complicated. So, you know, you're looking at a year. So somebody that is buying a piece of equipment, you know, they already know. And the nice thing about that time is that you have time to exchange ideas and change things. And revisit. Yeah. So like, let's say, you know, it's like building a house. You build a house and then all of a sudden you decide you need a window there. Mm-hmm. but putting that window in introduces a lot of other complications right that you need to do a lot of other things to make that window happen but that window is well worth it so and it's the same thing with building a truck right so like let's say somebody decides i don't really like this but i want this it's a better function for me and if we think that our customer's idea is a really good idea we'll implement it into production so mm-hmm. we we'll, like let's say we're building a custom truck for you but we think your idea is phenomenal. So we'll take that idea. We'll introduce it. Now it becomes a standard item on our production line.
0: And what's unique for you, one of the things, I guess, if I, if I think of uh, those um, maybe smaller companies back home, um, boutique uh, builders, right? We see some reality shows mm-hmm. uh, about that as well. Modified stuff. But you make the parts. Yes. You make a lot of these parts, or almost all of it. Well, probably, I would say at
2: least 90% of everything on the truck is made by us.
0: Wow. So it's not like you're getting parts from other places and you just put it together. It's not that. It's no. just coming from the ground up. From the ground up. And, uh, you
2: know, what's what's pretty funny is that all our competitors in China, they say they make OEM parts for us, but they don't. Because we actually produce everything from the ground up. Because mm. we just have such a good reputation. And in. if you,
1: Attached to you.
2: Yeah, they want to be attached to us. And actually, um, if you search, like a tow truck in China is considered a metro tow truck. (laughs) So, you know, that's, you know. Yeah. So our reputation is just like beyond phenomenal.
0: What's your uh, main supply? What do you need? I think you said steel.
2: Steel. Steel. Steel is our biggest uh, biggest component that we consume most of.
1: What about the engines, the chassis?
2: We buy those. Those are already manufactured by manufacturers whether, you know, it's a Kenworth or a Western Star or a Peterbilt, you know, what we do is we already get like a chassis and then we modify that chassis for our needs, right? Mhm. So generally the chassis are already available. Sometimes a customer has a chassis, their own their own equipment they provide to us. We make modifications. Sometimes the customers make the modifications themselves. Uh, we have a lot of customers that are uh, father and son or father and daughter or you know, a family and they get together and they build the truck themselves. So what we do is we provide a kit, we provide the support and they build it. There's actually a couple of shows that are on, um, on TV right now, reality shows where they show a couple of our customers uh, building these trucks. Right. You know, yeah, they the don't, they don't you mention mean. the brand, you know, ah, okay. but, but it's, he, your it, it's our trucks.
0: <laughs> so do you put, there, this is like a Metro truck? This is a Metro. Same always. like, uh, what is it, the other trucks companies, Volvo truck or whatever, right? Yes, correct. So how many Metro trucks are there out there in the world now? In
2: the world, we probably have maybe 1,500, 2,000 trucks. Wow. wow.
0: Okay. All, All right. right, so we need to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. Talking about trucks. And we are back at the uh, custom-made heavy-duty tow trucks factory. And um, at this point, I want to talk about uh, you moving a factory, right? This is going to be your fifth, the next one? This will be our fifth one, yes. Right, in China. And uh, a few interesting topics about that. First of all, moving a place like this, right? I was just saying it's not like moving an apartment and we hate moving an apartment. So imagine, imagine moving this. (laughs) What can you tell us about the logistics of, of, of moving this? Well,
2: we've, we've obviously moved. This is our fifth move. So we've got some experience in doing it. Right. Right. So, and, um, there's a lot of logistics that play a big role in it. And one of the first things that we need to get done is we need to make sure that our plant is actually ready for to accommodate us. So we've been doing a lot of planning we have kind of like a, mock, uh, a mock-up mock scale model that we kind of built just yeah, out of
0: you should, yeah. foam board right?
2: Uh, just to, to lay out where the machinery is and what the working process is going to be and what's going to happen, what step happens first, what step happens second, this kind of thing. So we're doing that. We've got... Uh, a few months left before we get it. We get it right, and then after that, it's coordinating with the shipping companies. You know, we do a lot of shipping, so, you know, we coordinate with people that we know. Right. You know, to move the stuff. And what will happen is, as soon as our plant is ready, we'll start slowly moving. And what happens at this plant? Actually, we're not producing anything new. We're just finishing off production. So right. as we're tailoring off the production, they're starting up. So this is coming down. The other place is moving up. So
0: this is not a one-day move, right? And uh, the reason you're moving, okay, one is like you said, it's five times uh, the size of this place, and uh, but also something about. Conditions. I mean, they they wouldn't they wouldn't renew. You said you, they wouldn't renew. Yeah, our lease our lease our lease is
2: finished here. We've mm-hmm. been here for ten years. We've actually exceeded the ten years, so we're on like a month-to-month right now and uh, what happens is we're right next to the botanical garden
0: right so Uh, what happens
2: is all of this here all of this area is going to become housing so at some point
0: right and this is considered uh an industry that maybe uh they don't prefer at the moment
2: it's not preferred anymore because we have a painting (coughs) process and it's because you're next to the botanical garden you know they don't like the paint going up towards the botanical garden we're so close so it's kind of like contracts done Thank you. Right. It's time to move on somewhere else. Right. So the timing
0: okay. is good for us.
1: Um, what happens to the people? Will they go with you or are yeah, you hiring people over question.
0: there? Well, uh, what we have... Because you're moving like an hour and a half away.
2: Yes, correct. Okay. Correct. So we've got a lot of experience in this. And this is actually... A very big problem for companies in China moving there's a lot of horror stories so the horror stories are crazy from strikes to you know uh, having a lot of problems with your workers because a lot of workers what they do is they get established in the community yeah so they have their kids in school they might have bought homes in the area so they're very reluctant to move yeah so what happens is we have basically two compensation packages that we will offer to our staff so we will uh, have a severance package to our staff that stays here so we'll just pay them the severance this is what it is thank you very much do for you all have the to
0: they're required to it's legally required yes even though i mean they're basically leaving the company correct but so, you know but because, of the move. because of the move ah, okay. you know
2: we're legally obligated to pay okay. the severance so we'll negotiate we'll pay a severance and then we have a compensation package for people that are moving with us so hopefully the compensation package Uh, outweighs the severance incentive Mm -hmm. the incentive is more and they will have a tendency of moving with us
0: that is interesting but also uh, from however how many employees you have here um which is of course less now because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. you are moving to a place where What's your plan for number of employees there?
2: Well we're looking at starting off with three hundred people on staff. So it's a pretty big it's a pretty big jump. Yeah. It's a heavy it's a heavy number. Our company is gonna become a much larger company. Right. We're expanding our product line. So there's a lot more opportunity for our staff for growth, for knowledge, for salary increases.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's it's you still just need to keep the core from here, but anyway you need to find a lot of new people, right? Correct, correct. Okay. And um, So, in terms of, uh, you're moving to yes, right? They have, uh, you told me about this uh, new, uh, what do you call it?
2: There's a brand new industrial park that they built up, and uh, they've gotten some uh, pretty big incentives for people to relocate their factories into it. Um, They're trying
0: to pull Western foreign companies? they're, They're looking
2: mainly for foreign companies so what they're looking for is companies like us so they actually came to us we didn't go to them
0: that is interesting you told me this before yeah, yeah. can you tell us about that How? uh
2: well what happened was they went to the government uh agency that handles special purpose vehicles and they started doing their research about tow trucks because mm-hmm. they were interested in a variety of different industries and they asked them who has the best reputation for tow trucks and they said well metro does so they called us up and they wanted to have a meeting and they came here
0: It's five Five years. Five years, five ago, years of already. negotiations, yeah. right?
2: So they came here and uh, they had a look. And for me, I would just, you know, they're government officials. I gave them, you know, the time of day, the courtesy. They looked around yeah. and they're like, "Wow, this is really good. Why, why are you not any bigger than this?" That was the question. And we're like, "Well, you know, here's all the problems that we have." And they're like, "Well, what if we can make that go away?" Wow. And we're <laughs> like, uh, "Yeah, we've heard that before. Thank you very much." You know, said you know, and then they offered us to do a joint venture with the government. And we're like absolutely not
0: okay no more the joint ventures. Venture. Yeah, yeah done
2: done yeah. and they're like look you know and then we explained to them the experience that we had with joint venture and the problems and they're like look we're the government there's no problem we're like look thank you very much we're just not interested it's you not it doesn't doesn't you fit don't need what, it yeah, yeah it doesn't fit right. what we right. need and they couldn't understand that they're just like what do you mean we're just like no, what is it? what
0: is it a joint venture with the government basically they give money
2: well, they they become half owner of your company. Yeah, right? but why, what
0: do you, what do they give? They give money, tax breaks, tax or, breaks uh, whatever. whatever. Like there's
2: there's okay. a lot of things. I mean, for me, I wasn't interested in even entertaining it because I'm happy doing what I do. I yeah. build trucks. That's you know, and that's what I explained to them. They couldn't understand like, like, but you could be bigger and you can make more money, and you could be all this. And I'm like, yeah, it's great,
0: but I don't need it. What? What? Which? That's, uh, that's
1: a very strange position for a
2: Chinese person yeah. which to hear. Which
0: government? <laughs> which government? People come to you, like talk to you about that joint venture. What? What kind of department is that? It's.
2: Uh, they're from the uh, industrial park.
0: Ah, okay. And so uh, the industrial uh, park is government. It's government. Yes. Okay, and they have their own management by the government. They're the management team, right? Okay. Yeah. So you said no, yeah. um, and then continued negotiating. No, then they came back.
2: Then they left. Then they came back. Right. And then we're just like, no, we're not interested. They left and they came back. <laughs> we're like, no, you're going to be interested. <laughs> and I'm like, well, just, you know, cause uh, you know, in China we have a life cycle, right? So it's the, the beginning and the end, right? You know, it's a full life cycle of a production. There's a full life cycle of everything, right? And for me, I had gone through starting the factory, going through the joint venture, going through all the headaches. And I had gotten to the point where It was really good you know i'm happy i come to work every day i'm happy i'm smiling i have my morning cup of coffee i walk around my factory and i'm building trucks and it didn't matter if i made money or not it wasn't about money i was just fulfilling my dream since i was a kid to build trucks so somebody came to give me another offer and i'm like you know what that's going to be a lot of work and um you know
0: i don't don't want to do that you know it it.
2: it takes away from what i do Right, because I can't do what I want now. I have somebody telling me what I need to do. That's uh, the main thing,
0: I think. Yeah, right. and I, right. I, I
2: wasn't interested. In that. I was, so I was just like, look, I'm not interested. So we spent five years negotiating back and forth, and then we were able to come to a deal. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's
0: not a joint venture.
2: Not joint venture, but it was a phenomenal deal for our company. Phenomenal, like unheard of.
0: So what? What? what the government offer you in the end I mean like w- because we hear about that right in China if you're strong you come in with a big company something they want you can get uh, you can get a lot of uh, good terms right What are the kind of things they, they, they give a company like yours?
2: Well I mean we, we have uh, a preferential uh, rental rate and uh, we have preferential policies for our staff. Uh, we have preferential uh, school priority for our local Chinese staff. So if one of our staff moves from here to go there, they will, the get, they will get the availability to have space to put their, their kids in school, in the public school system, which is actually uh, cheaper than the private yeah, school yeah, system. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, preferential policy for home purchasing. So our staff has the availability to buy a home, whereas in Dongguan they wouldn't have that availability. So we have the government support for that, where the government will kind
0: of give the incentive for them to, to purchase.
2: Mm-hmm. So it really goes
0: deep. Like it is just one industrial park, but they need to talk to many government departments to make sure that they can give you what you're know what you asking for. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, that's it. another thing you told me that's really interesting is you're planning to have eventually hundred expats or? Correct. Uh, so hundred foreigners on visas and you had to get them to promise that this is gonna be okay. Yes. Without conditions, you told me. Yes, with no conditions. So even, what it means is even, it doesn't matter, he has a bachelor degree, doesn't have a bachelor degree, he wants them, he'll get a work visa for them.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a, is a kind of uh, knowledge that doesn't necessarily require a bachelor degree. Um, right. like for example right. you it's, a, you kind of
2: it's a it's a different type of knowledge because yes, yes, you know, yes. I mean a mechanic is not gonna have a bachelor's degree. Right. But mm-hmm. you can't fix this truck unless you're a mechanic but he'll be a yeah.
0: genius for to you know, for but, that thing. You know, yeah.
2: the mechanic has a mechanics license. Yeah. So right, you right. know, so they do have they credentials. Sure. You know what I mean? It's not like you're just pulling somebody off the street that doesn't yeah, know no, anything. No, of course. You know, you're pulling people that have some sort of accreditation, they have some sort of knowledge and they can bring that knowledge here to mm-hmm. china
0: what advice would you give to someone um, that is negotiating in china for locating his company somewhere like that uh, from what you said so far uh my my main takeaway is patience <laughs> but what, yeah. what kind of other advice you can give
2: well i think patience is kind mm-hmm. of the first thing that you need to start off with you have to have patience you have to have your goal and you really need to stick to your goal. If you don't get what you want, then you just have to be prepared to walk away. This That's is it. so
0: similar to stuff I used to hear 20 years ago about mm-hmm. China culture, right? It was like, uh, they'll, they'll beat you down to it with their patience, so mm-hmm. you need to... You need to be patient. <laughs> patience, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: something <laughs> like that. Well, I mean, for me, it didn't really matter It didn't matter if i got the deal or not because i was happy that is strength yeah yeah. so it was just like look if i got it great yeah this is awesome it's a new level you know it's a new direction for the company but if i didn't get it it didn't really matter i didn't need to get it it wasn't essential
0: for me right and uh what's the, the uh what's the cons i mean the pros and cons of moving there like you said for example you're moving away from a community that you like
2: it's, you know, I'm, I'm really going to miss Dongguan. You know, Dongguan is a beautiful city. It's got phenomenal people. The culture here is phenomenal. Everything is really good. You know, Dongguan is a very mature city, right? And, uh, you know, I'll miss it. But, you know, the adventure is going to be that I'm going to a new city where everything is going to develop. So I'm right. starting at the beginning. You know, so the only thing, the only word that comes to my mind is opportunity so sure. for me I'm an entrepreneur
1: what level city is Jiameng? is it level 2 level 3
2: it'd probably be a, like a level 4 city where Jiamen, we are is, is we're outside
0: to, of Jiamen. it's next to Foshan next to Foshan yes. next to Foshan in the west yes. west from here yes right
1: so a lot of room for development then.
0: yes a lot of room for development I guess what we saw in Dongguan 15 years ago that's how it is now probably yeah. so um, what's, what's the plan for the future you're going to have uh, 5 times the size of this one are you going Venture. to make other things, open new markets?
2: What? Uh, well, we're going to be expanding on our product line. So right now we're mainly focused on tow trucks. So mm-hmm. we're going to be doing tow trucks. We're going to be doing uh, garbage trucks. We're going to be doing uh, trailers. We're going to be doing recreational vehicles. So we're going to be doing truck RV conversions. We're going to be doing RV trailers. So we have a whole uh, recreation line that we're going into. And this is because of COVID. So because of COVID now in North America, the recreational line has just boomed. So, you know, people want to have family vacations, but they want to have that family vacation to themselves. They don't Mm -hmm. really necessarily want to be with other people. So we're going to be building houseboats. We're going to be building pontoon boats, the RV trailers. So this is going to be a whole new product line for us.
1: Would you go as low as van conversions?
2: Uh, We may we may mm. because it's the same it's it's the same thing for us right mm-hmm. you're just doing interiors right but the problem with the van conversions that's depending on how the market takes off that might be something that we would do in our canadian plant because some things are just not profitable yeah so
0: like to build big things yeah we yeah. build
2: big things because it's more profitable for mm-hmm. us you know and it you know with the cost of the shipping and the length of transportation and everything involved. It has to be something big. For something small, you know, like let's say like a van conversion, that's something that our Canadian plant can do, but we can provide all the materials for it.
1: You, you were talking about RVing and, and uh, how this is important for West, for the North American market. Um, how
2: popular is RVing in China? It's becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. It's really starting to... Uh, take off. But what happens right now is China still needs to develop its driving culture. Because, you know, RV is a whole subculture of itself, right? Mm. So, you know, RVing, the RV family, uh, the RV parks, you know, there's a lot of things, that a lot of infrastructure that's not here yet, but it's coming. And when it comes, it will actually explode.
1: Yeah. Right. We we were uh, touring Qinghai in the west of China, and there's I was surprised to see quite a lot of RVs out there and some infrastructure for RVing. But yeah. um, basically, like parks, they buy the RVs mm-hmm. and they rent them as if you were going to get a room in a hotel. But people don't drive them around too much. A few, but...
0: It's it's interesting, all these, like, Western cultures that keep coming here, um, you know, like, like maybe the tractor culture will will develop right rv there are factories right i think there are people uh, that did uh, youtube videos about that yeah and um but but you know sometimes it comes here and it's 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 not exactly the same culture it's maybe the same product Mm -hmm. i i want to
1: i want to ask you a little bit uh, some clarification when you talk about truck culture because china Is the factory of the world? Uh, Dongguan was the factory of the world, and all the containers are moved by trucks.
0: You mean there are many truck drivers in China?
1: Let's just yes. So, so what's what's the difference when you talk about truck culture as opposed to the amount of trucks that are on the roads in China? Isn't that truck culture as well? or
2: No, because, see, North American truck culture is, is quite different because it's considered, like, a luxury, right? So people spend a lot of money on these trucks. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of chrome, and normally you'll see a truck driver, you know, he'll put his, like, he'll put his cowboy hat on, he'll put his cowboy boots, he'll have a nice jean shirt on, and he's driving that truck, like, you know, he's having the pleasure of driving that truck. You know, whereas here they just want the lowest horsepower. They just need to get from A to B. There hasn't been that developed, that really big culture following, right? understand. You know, and I mean, in uh, North America, we have a lot of country music that's just focused for truckers, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I don't know Chinese music, so I don't know if it exists, but I know in North America, it's very... <laughs> I don't very, think they got truck driver music You know, music they, got, they, <laughs> they got all these truck driver songs, you know, like, and people are driving, and so it's a full, it's a full culture, right? They got I a truck culture
0: here, no shirt, yeah. Yeah. leg on the window. <laughs> the, the bikini. The, the but do you think yeah. this is something that will develop in China? Possibly? I
2: I do think so because what happens is because the cost of labor is going up in China, right? So generally, uh, transportation in China is pretty cheap, like inland transportation in China. My opinion from coming from transportation in North America is very, very cheap and that's why that that culture hasn't developed yet because transportation in North America is you, you can make a decent dollar. Mm-hmm. So and once that develops here that you can start to make decent dollars on these people will spend more money on that truck. They'll spend more make money it on more comfortable. lifestyle.
1: Do you yeah. do you have
2: like a bed in this
1: particular truck? This yeah. one this one yeah. has a bed. You see? Yeah. There's yeah. one thing that I that I I'd never experienced. Once you get on the driver's seat it's is it's got springs.
0: You yeah. know, my is Fernando there a reason maybe, for that? I told him. Yeah. I didn't tell you. It, my my dad was a truck driver. Oh. And and yeah, the first thing when I came here is like, Oh yeah, there's a bed back there. I remember many, many times sleeping in the, this bed uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. but
2: what about the seats why they well they're what? air ride so that way it's, it's it's easier on your back right and the trucks are air ride suspension generally in North America so that way it's for comfort right mm-hmm. it's for driver comfort um, you know a lot of the trucks in in China they're just the seat is just bolted on right it's bolted on so you know every bump that you Traveled. hear boom, boom, again boom, it's boom.
0: comfort imagine yeah. they drive 10 hours straight many days yeah. right in America mm. yeah. or no more yeah. So you really need to be super comfortable. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean, look, you know, it, you know, these trucks, you know, I mean, the the some of them just the luxuries in them are just phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, to it, it's to whatever level that you want to have in that truck you what? know the, there's no limit to it
0: when did it start in um, in north america the truck culture
2: i think it started the truck culture started back in the uh, late 70s with all the movies with the you know w- like you know you had the uh, smokey and the bandit oh, yeah. movies and that was all the, you know the 18 wheeler uh, you know so and then the, the music you know the, the the different country music songs so i think at that point the the, the culture started to develop and Is then the
0: us first U.S. first, yes. Right, and then Canada, then Canada, yeah.
1: Right. Uh, is is truck culture existent also in Europe, in a way? Yes, I think in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they yeah. have trucks, of course, but the same uh, pride of owning a truck
2: of a
0: certain. I think look, I think yes, but I think USA is famous for it, or not America? USA is
2: the most famous for it, yeah. right? Because they just it's so prominent in social media, in music, in movies. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's promoted right? it's a cowboy thing it in a way not yeah.
0: cowboy but you know what I mean there is a macho it's a very it's a very it's macho, a lifestyle
2: it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle and it's a very macho industry
0: yeah. it's,
1: it's the, the idea of being on the road and I'm on the road again you know like
0: yeah, yeah I remember <laughs> yeah. I remember from uh, like the gang when my dad was uh, driving uh, there were there was I think one female yeah and everybody knew her yeah Like and well
2: there's a lot more female truck drivers now, because the trucks, sure. you know, a lot of trucks are automatics, you know, whereas before that wasn't a big option or it wasn't a ah, good option. Automatics mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So there's a lot of automatic trucks. Um, you know, a lot more women are just falling in love with the culture. They're like,
0: yeah, I can not do to this say too. that women cannot drive. <laughs> <It's> manual. <laughs> manual. No, yes. Some of them are phenomenal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah,
2: Some of them are phenomenal manual drivers. Yes. Right. But it just it's that one extra step right you know you just hit the button and you go
1: are there any kind of uh uh, driving assistance that has been developed through the decades that are implemented into these kind of trucks uh
2: well i mean the there's a lot of new technology that's coming in Mm -hmm. into into trucks which is just making them uh, safer and that's being developed over over a lot of time what happens is now a lot of them are coming out with the uh, special braking systems, so mm-hmm. then that way, if somebody runs out or a child runs out in front of you, the truck will actually stop by itself. Mm-hmm. so this is new oh. technology and Let's yeah. see, uh, later
0: there was something uh, in, started in israel uh, mobile mo- mo- i don 't remember yeah I mean, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but you know the
2: technology is coming there, you know the <laughs> trucks are becoming safer there's a lot of what they call anti roll devices that are getting uh, put on trucks now. Mm. Bendex is really uh, famous for that. So that way, when the truck starts to lift and it's just getting close to its center of gravity, it'll adjust itself. So they're doing
0: a lot of testing on that. Is it correct to say that this kind of truck would never be electric? I mean, Uh, not in our lifetime.
2: I I don't know. You know, I mean, it takes a lot of... These trucks need a lot of horsepower and they need a lot of torque to go down the road. And they're they're going long distances, right? So, you know, maybe... Maybe. Maybe. Hard to say. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I I mean, you know, we're looking at, you know, self-driving cars coming out soon, right? They're already out there being right. tested, right? right? You know, will there be a self-driving tow truck? Not likely. Not likely. Yeah, because you need, because to, you you need to get out and <laughs> do a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But we just don't know, right, where technology is going to take us. Tesla Semi is
1: already
0: out, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there <laughs> is more time that, uh, you know, regulations and different kind of uh, things. Now, wh- what, uh, so... How long are you planning to stay here in China? What's your plan for the future? Like you said, this is almost like your hobby. You don't really have to do this, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, for the foreseeable future, like, you know, now I've gotten into a really long-term commitment with the new factory, you know, a lot more employees, you know, yeah. so is my commitment is long. How long will I be in China? I'll probably be here for a while unless somebody decides to give me a a big check and say, it's time for you to leave, you know, <laughs> and then I'll be more than happy to move on to the next chapter Do, you, do your
0: friends uh, or family and people from around the world sometimes think you're crazy?
2: Oh, they really <laughs> think I'm crazy. You know, even, you know, like, you know, it's somebody telling you that, you know, I decided to go and build tow trucks in China, right? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of really bananas. And uh, speaking of that, like what happens is when I first came to China, I had a meeting with my staff. So we had this big company meeting and I had, a, uh, I had this staff meeting and I was talking to them about my dream, coming here to China to build tow trucks. And I'm like, if any one of you want to come, you're more than welcome to come with me on this adventure and this trip. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But only one person showed up. And they actually showed up in China. And they were my newest employee that I had never even met. I didn't even know the person's name. So when they showed up in China, they're like, hey, I'm Steve. I'm like, you're you're, you're who? who? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was at the company meeting. And, you know, you I, wor- I work for you, you know, and I'm like... Well, you better wait there because I don't know, really know you, you know? So, like, you know, and then I come back, oh, you're Steve, right? You know, because I had to call. This, this yeah. guy actually worked for us, right? So, it, you know, and, and lifelong can't. lifelong friend. And, you know, like, he'll come and he'll stay six months with me in
0: China sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like that Jerry Maguire moment. Yeah. yeah. Come with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm looking at this uh, lineup of Metro, to- metro tow trucks. Um, do you manufacture or have plans to manufacture, like, Firefighter engines. uh, That's
0: that's what it looks like a little bit, right? Yeah, like like a fire engine. We do.
2: It's in our our product uh, prospectus that Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing in the new plant. You know, obviously, the new plant, we have uh, a lot of government support. So we have incentives to build other products, Mm -hmm. you know, so the government will, you know, for every patent that we get, we get a certain incentive for every new product that we get, we'll get another incentive. So, you know, the government's really encouraging us to grow our business. When you're
1: going to develop a new line, for example, like this uh, fire engines, how do you get the expertise about what's required or
2: well it comes back to what i said what's very important is networking so let's say for the um, uh, for the fire trucks we have a person that we dealt with on our towing business side who was with the fire department for 30 years and they just retired so they're like an expert so we will bring this person from advisor
0: the, uh, expert yeah. you know
2: he's an expert and he's bought you know Hundreds of fire trucks, you know, it's basically everything possible to know on a fire truck I don't know anything, but if I know how to tow it I can mm. move it from a to b, right? <laughs> yes. but this guy is the expert, right? right? So, you know, and that's what's really important for us to keep like that big network, right? Because mm-hmm. you just don't know when you're gonna need that network. person.
0: All right, so maybe I'll ask one last question. Sure, and uh, <clears throat> You've been here for a long time in China and you do what you love so you don't feel like you work, right? Um, but you did have some issues in the past with partnerships and you lost a lot of money. In the end of the day, is China been profitable for you in a massive way?
2: Oh, I think China has been phenomenal. It's really been phenomenal. I know there's some people that you know, get frustrated and leave and there's some people that have different views. But I mean, from a product development point of view, I couldn't have done it anywhere else in the world because the expertise is here. So I have no regrets about coming to China. You know, it's not about anything else. I had a dream and through China I was able to fulfill my dream. So that's
0: a great last note.
1: Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well we wanna thank you very, very much for your time. This is if I dare say, one of the most exciting shows that we've so done far, so far. So, far. so yeah. those of you who've been before, don't don't take offense, but this <laughs> is really, really cool. Yeah. Um I think as a kid you start playing with your Tonka trucks and whatnot so this is really really cool so thank you very much for your time thank you for yeah. showing us around
0: thank you um and uh yeah it's a, it's a shame we didn't meet uh, years ago you, you're moving away but we're still an hour yeah an hour Gives us apart a
1: reason to take it yeah. on the road yeah <laughs>
0: to take to take a trip to see a new place um and yeah that's actually would be interesting i was just saying before that uh, imagine like a time lapse of 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 when they ship a truck or when they move the factory, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well,
2: um, we well, definitely love to invite you to come to take a look at our new plant and take yeah. a look at where we're going and, you know, take a look at the new chapter of uh, Metro, you know, our growth and, yeah. you know, uh, our, our China story and our China dream, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're more than
0: happy to share that with everybody. Thank you for having us today. All right. Well, okay.
2: again,
1: thank you so much. And this has been, of course,
0: China. Bye-bye.
1: bye bye